Cover City Sports is back here on 120, episode 26. Steve, what do we got for the listeners this week? Dave, we're going to start them off with a little bit of saloon talk. We're getting back to Deshaun Watson and his status, where it's at. Urban Meyer gets hired by the Jags, and the NCAA tournament has released its schedule. We got a big fight night on Saturday, UFC 275. Neely and Rue take us through that fight night card. We've got a mega matchups in the NFL on Sunday, NFC, AFC championship games. Tommy Brady travels up to Green Bay to take on the Packers. And then you got the battle of the youngins with Josh Allen going to Kansas City to take on Patrick Mahomes. Can't wait for those games. And you can't forget Steve-O's buttered hard roll. It hit last week. We're confident it's going to hit again. Going to be a great episode. Going to be a better weekend. Lantern, let it rip. Cover City Sports is back, episode 26. Uh, Steve-O, my man, what's going on? Dave, do you think they were listening, Dave? Victory! We're bringing in Rocky Four again this week to the podcast. We were victorious in our Stewart Butter Hard Roll Pick of the Week. I hope you guys were tuned in because Cleveland sure did rock. Rue, Sean Taylor, episode 26, uh, his his Miami number there. Were you uh, – did you get to witness any of Sean Taylor's greatness? No, never. I played against his nephew in high school, though, twice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's my claim to fame. Was he good? Uh, He was – yeah, he was solid. He was – yeah, I guess he was a pretty good football player. Pat, what about you, man? What's going on in the booth? Dave, this day in history, 1892. The first official basketball game was played in Springfield, Massachusetts by YMCA students and the game's inventor. You know it? Naismith. Naismith. That's right. That's Joe Namath. Oh, <laughs> Only 100 and someone do the math. I, I wish James Naismith could <clears throat> resurrect himself and come up and teach North Carolina how to pass it down into the <laughs> Do you think if he realized how tall and athletic uh, the human species would evolve, that he would have maybe raised the rims a little bit? <laughs> he definitely would have. He definitely would have uh, put rules in against the four corner offense. <laughs> Let's go ahead. Let's jump into this week's Cover City Saloon Talk. This is Cover City Saloon Talk. Let's start with some with some football here and hop back on the Deshaun Watson train. It sounds like he is out, is going to be out, uh, the Houston Texans. Question is, where should he land? He's 25 years old. I think people actually underestimate how good Deshaun Watson is. Uh, he had more more passing yards than um, than Mahomes this year. He was seventh in total touchdowns or passing touchdowns with 33, and he had only had seven interceptions. And again, he's 24, 25 years old playing for the Houston Texans. Um, Rue, you also mentioned he had his highest completion percentage uh, in the NFL, uh, in NFL history, uh, with a min- minimum of 1,300 attempts at 67.8. So, Rue, Steve, I'll get this thing started here. You know, Where do you see Watson going, and what's, what's kind of progressed since last week? Well, I wish that when these guys come out and say it's being reported, who's it being reported by, Adam Schefter? Tell us who who you're hearing this from. Because if you're not hearing it from the horse's mouth, then how, how are we really going to take you know really too much stock in what Deshaun Watson wants or doesn't want? It, okay, it's reported. Well, I want to hear Deshaun Watson. Let's interview Deshaun Watson. Let's. I want. I want his take on it. Are you upset in Houston? You have every right to be. I. I wouldn't blame you if you were upset. But l- l- let's get. Let's get this guy out there. I want. I want to hear what he has to say. Um. On top of it, you're hearing. You know, Jets fans are screaming from the mountaintops. 
that they will basically give up, you know, all, I, I think, what do they have? They have two first round picks, two third round picks, and then a pick in each other round, uh, you know, this draft. And I'm pretty sure that they would, they would uh, part ways with all those picks uh, jet fans would for, for a guy like Deshaun Watson. Um, I, you know, I'd love to see him in, in New York uh, as a giant, um, but I don't foresee that being uh, a, a possibility at all. The uh, the people of Houston actually planned a march to show their respect for Deshaun Watson. He tweeted, he tweeted, I'm hearing there is a march planned on my behalf in Houston today, although I'm humbled. I asked whoever is organizing the march to cancel for 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 public safety health. Um, he just went on a little bit there. I got over 230,000 likes on Twitter. Um, but, Rue, do, do, do you see him possibly making it to the Jets, or what, what's your take? So, yeah, like Sivo said, sell the farm. Sell everyone. Do what you can to get Deshaun Watson. You already had a huge jump with a great hire in Robert uh, Salah, right? That's how we That's how we figured it out, Sivo? Uh, Salah. Salah. That would be a giant step from a really bad season to then now being an actual competitor. So, so my question is here, like, does, does he want to go to the jets? Like, is that really where he wants to land? Like we just saw Philip rivers, uh, announce his retirement, uh, greatest trash talker of all time. We retweeted some of those videos on our Twitter. Uh, but like, yeah, wouldn't a destination like the cults be a little better again, Dave. So here's another reported is that he likes Robert Sala. Um, he would he would love to play for a coach like him, and he also likes Eric Bieniemy, and I think that's where the whole friction really came into play with management in Houston is because he wanted to get Bieniemy in there for uh, an interview, and they basically kind of beat around the bush, and now I think they're giving him a sympathy you know interview, um, you know in the eleventh hour. But uh, again, reports are saying that he would love to play for. Sala in New York with the Jets. Um, you know, it, it just even as bad a, a season that the Texans had record wise, I mean, you named you mentioned his stats. He had solid stats. I mean, you know, top five in the league stats. It's it's unbelievable. And at only 25 years old, you know, like Rue said, you I don't know. I it's like if you asked me before the podcast how old he was, I probably would have guessed 28 for some reason. I, I just maybe he's just mature and he just comes off that way. Um, but I would not have put him in the same bucket as these AFC quarterbacks uh, that made their playoff runs. Yeah, I, and to answer your question about the Colts, um, I don't, you know, again, they're, they're legitimately one quarterback away from the Super Bowl. I mean, defensively, they have it figured out. Uh, they, You know, they drafted Jonathan Taylor at running back last year. He had a phenomenal season. They got Michael Pittman Jr. Um, they have... Uh, T.Y. Hilton, you know, they have a great offensive line. Phillip Rivers threw for almost 500 yards against the Bills in the wildcard round weekend. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. The, you know, and Frank Wright as a coach, just a very solid head coach who is a quarterback himself or was a quarterback himself. So, you know, it's another thing I, I heard was possibly Carson Wentz going there, but it's like, who wants to give up, you know, everything to get Carson Wentz in, who's who's fractured. You could, if you could get a guy like Deshaun Watson. I mean, I, I don't. Know, sky's the limit to, in in my mind. And you're not gambling on him either. That's the good thing too. Well, not for the most part, at least. Especially entering like a really good, you know, uh, franchise like the Colts have been uh, as of last year. It's not a gamble. No, that that that's why he's so much better than than drafting a quarterback. He's he's proven. He's young. He's got everything you want. Uh, we we mentioned Phillips retiring. Also, we had Drew Brees retiring, and I wish his wife Brittany came out with this prior to the game. I, I probably wouldn't have put my money on him, but uh, so Drew played last week. This was tweeted by his wife Brittany with a torn rotator cuff, torn ligament in the foot that I can't pronounce. Um, and 11 <laughs> broken ribs and, and still had apparently a collapsed lung. Um, I think a few other guys on the team were also banged up, but just wanted to be part of Breeze's last game. Um, what, what, what do you think of him? I feel like this is very Drew Breeze-esque to, to end his his career this way. I think he was a tough guy through and through and obviously a Hall of Famer. But um, what did you think of that game, Steve? I'll just, just briefly, let, let's hit on it before we kind of move on. 
Dave, let me um let me help you out with that word, seeing as I'm a road scholar. It's um uh, uh, fascia. It's fascia. It's like a plantar fasciitis uh, with your foot. Um, but that that was a, a another torn. Uh, you talking about warts? Dang, that might be. I don't even know. Um, but anyway, Dave, the game <laughs> itself. Um, you you know, watching Drew Brees, you 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 could tell that he was not himself. He was not a hundred percent. Um, but I think that's been him the last two years. He's had shoulder, you know, shoulder issues uh the last two years, and and you can definitely tell. Um, he he just he, he didn't have that zip on the ball, and he hasn't really had it all year. So. Um, I, th- I think he made the right decision. He's going to go make millions of dollars in the booth working for NBC. And, um, you know, maybe uh, Jay Boo Winston's going to get a shot down there at uh, New Orleans. So, Steve, we got a, or I think it was you, Andrew, or one of you, you said, did, did the Saints purposely not play Winston all year so they could re-sign him at a cheap rate? Dave, that was me, Dave. Um, I was all up, all up on on, on, on that uh, big time uh, breaking news. But I honestly, you know, it, it makes sense uh, that you know last year Teddy Bridgewater came in and went five and zero, and he got a four year contract in Carolina. Um, if, if Jameis came in instead of Taysom Hill and led them to an undefeated record, he'd probably be up for for a, you know a, a multi year contract w- with another team like say the Colts. Uh, who, who are one quarterback away from going to the Super Bowl? Where you know in Tampa, I think Jameis felt like he had to do more, you know, into the playoffs and and to compete. Where you know Indianapolis, he could just go up there, hand off to Jonathan Taylor, you know, and Hines, you know, thirty times a game, throw the ball thirty times, and you know, find himself in the playoffs. So, Rue, um, what are you bring to the Cover City Saloon talk this week? That that was just topic one of three here. What do you got for us? So, a little change of pace with uh, we're going to do a little coaching carousel. Uh, Urban Meyer, fifty-seven years old, returns from his second retirement. He's going to jump from college football to the NFL. Uh, we know college college coaches in the NFL have been spotty at best to say with how successful they've been. Um, we've obviously seen success from college coaches translated to the NFL, uh, for example, Jimmy Johnson and Pete Carroll, just for a couple. But don't forget Tom Coughlin, Rue. Don't Tom forget Coughlin, Tommy, boy, our, beloved, our beloved Tommy Coughlin. I don't see success. Obviously, we don't see success immediately from this Jaguars team with a new college football coach. So it's almost like what what are their next steps to be a successful program? I, I shadily think the Jaguars are better – then they look uh, like record-wise. On paper. On paper. Uh, Steve, maybe you can help me out here because I can't go into detail. But they they totally ch- like they totally just chalked up their last few games. Uh, their last fifteen. <laughs> uh, but I feel like they had some fighting spirit to them. I, I didn't. Although one of the worst, obviously the second worst team in the league. They I didn't. They didn't come off that way to me. So I, I think Urban's a great a great hire here. Um, Here's here's my take on it, and and so Urban has worked with Jimmy Johnson in Fox for the last two years, so he he's really leaned heavily on Jimmy Johnson's knowledge from going from college uh, to the pros, you know. And I don't think a lot, you know, a lot of people look at Jimmy Johnson and think, oh, won Super Bowls with the Cowboys, couldn't get along with Jerry Jones, and that's why he left. Well, you know, you forget he was one in fifteen his first year coming out of Miami in into into the NFL. You know, and then it was after that that they made the trade for you know with Herschel Walker and got Emmett Smith in the draft, and um, you know they they built with, with the core that they had. But um, Urban's really uh, leaned on Jimmy uh, heavily, and he he also doesn't have that same like Nick Saban mentality, where Saban is a ruler, he's a dictator. He you know he works at a at a place like college because he can you know, rule these players. He can't do that with, with NFL players. You have to have relationships with these guys. They're basically, you know, not, they're your counterparts and, you know, you're not their, you know, superior, so to say, uh, at that level. So I think if Urban can figure that out, if he can surround himself with very good coordinators, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a very, 
a solid career in the NFL, you know, and starting off with a guy like Trevor Lawrence, it, it's not going to hurt. Sometimes philosophies don't always translate from college to the NFL, but I mean, if he can get good play callers on both sides of the ball, he definitely can be successful. I wanted to say this with uh, first time NFL head coaches hired directly from college since 2000. The most successful has been Jim Harbaugh. He's actually, he's only one of two of this list of 12 that have a winning record. So let's put Urban Meyer and the Jaguars over under at 4.5 wins next year. Are you guys going over or under? Let's see what they do in free agency. No, you got to give me an answer now. Well, let's see what they do in free agency because it it's it's a lot can rely heavily on that, Dave, because they have the money. They 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 traded a lot of their their bigger, higher payroll guys um last season and last offseason to clear cap space just for in particular this offseason where they can build around a new head coach, a new quarterback. And and I, I really think that they can do a lot and have a lot of options uh, within free agency. And like you said, you know, they weren't they weren't that far away from being um, a competitive team. You know, they, they weren't getting blown out week in and week out. They were closer games. They, they, they competed. So they've got a lot of draft picks. Uh, they've got a lot of money in, in free agency. So I would I would maybe lean on over. I'm gonna lean over, Ru. I would t- I, I would know, take maybe Matt Rule record. You know, he he obviously came from Baylor. He went out five. He started five and eleven. That's what I'll give Urban this next coming season. I Sounds dig it. Right. I dig it. And um, I'm just uh, I wanted to look up the uh, Jaguars against the spread this year. Let's see. The best was when they won the first game of the year, and it was like, whoa, Garner Minshew's the guy. Yeah, they were seven and nine against the spread this year. But uh, Steve, let's 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 jump off this and hop into your saloon talk. What do you got for the listeners this week, Dave? We're gonna. Uh, there was a major announcement this week with the NCAA tournament March Madness it is scheduled to happen this year, which is great. Uh, I'm so thrilled for that to you know be be happening this year because last year not having it was that was very it was depressing. I'll just put I'm gonna put it point blank. It was depressing. Not so I remember this was like the first big cancellation from COVID last year. And I specifically remember we were in a phone call or a group chat and you're like, I don't care what happens as long as, as long as we can get March madness. And that was like the first major thing to drop. It's scary that it was that long ago. It was almost a year ago. And, you know, and I, I always say, I look, I look, for that Thursday first, you know, round games is just like the best day of the year, other than possibly Santa Claus coming for me, you know, we take <laughs> the afternoon off, we watch all the games, we hang out at the tavern next door. Um, so this year we're not going to even be able to do that because uh, within scheduling this year's tournament, um, it's kind of going to be a bubble atmosphere. It's going to, you know, center around uh, Indianapolis and then uh, first two round games are going to be in surrounding stadiums uh, near uh, the Indianapolis uh, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium Arena, where the Final Four will be held. But this year, it's a little screwy with with how they've uh, set up the the dates for the games. Usually, it's uh, Thursday through Sunday. Um, so this year, the, the dates, they're going to be off. Um, they're starting the, the first four in is going to be on a Thursday this year, opposed to usually on a Tuesday. Um, and then the first round games are going to be Friday, Saturday, instead of Thursday, Friday, uh, second round is going to be Sunday, Monday, instead of Saturday, Sunday. And then that in tune will snowball into the sweet 16 sweet 16 is usually Thursday, Friday. Well, now it's going to be Saturday, Sunday, and then the elite eight. Uh, which was on Saturday, Sunday is now going to be Monday, Tuesday, which I I think that's extremely off. I, it doesn't make any sense to me why the NCAA themselves would want to do this, but I guess you know it's got to have something to do with money. Final Four is still going to be on Saturday and, and Monday, so it's going to be a little bit different. But we're going to get the tournament, so you, you you know beggars can't be choosers, and I shouldn't even be I shouldn't even be complaining about it, but. You know, I, I don't like change. <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead. I mean, I, I'm with you, Steve. It's I, I'd rather it be the way it was, but like you said, we're getting it 
So tough, tough to complain these days. A little fact here for you NCAA basketball fans. First time since 1961, North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky, neither or none of those teams are in the top 25. First time since 1961. Blue bloods are out. You know what, guys? And 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 we're gonna kind of transition into college hoops in the upcoming weeks as football kind of um finishes up. But I think you know one conversation we're we're gonna have and maybe to you guys to look forward to is this how, how one and dones are affecting college basketball and you see it in those three teams right there yeah steve real quick any teams that come to mind that kind of replaced unc duke and kentucky this year a lot of big 10 team school a lot of big 10 schools dave uh big 10's tough top to bottom um that they're they're tough um you know iowa teams like iowa are are in the top five um but the, you know they're, they're they're more upperclassmen. They have the 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 team leaders are juniors and seniors on the team where you're not finding that in these these other schools where the one and dones are are you know kind of ruling how they build their programs. Michigan, Wisconsin playing well. Michigan had a tough loss to Minnesota over the weekend, lost by 20, but then rebounded uh Tuesday night. They they beat they beat uh, Maryland by 20. Um so it's like you know, the, the Big Ten is top to bottom the best conference uh, that there is. And really the ACC, you know, and, and and the SEC, Alabama's playing the best basketball in the SEC. And and I really, I, I don't really know of anybody that's really, you know, standing out to me in the ACC this year. So big fight night this Saturday, Rue, UFC 257. I don't have the credentials to sit here and, and talk about it with you, but our man Naked Neely does. Uh, so, Naked Neely, welcome back to the podcast. Um, huge McGregor fan. Rue, I'll let you take it from here, but uh, big fight night coming up. What do you guys got for us? Yeah, so we're just going to set the stage. we got a couple of uh, prominent lightweight matchups to talk about. We're going to start off with the co-main, uh, Dan Hooker. Versus uh, Michael Chandler, who just came over from Bellator. Dan Hooker recently just fought Dustin Poirier, where he lost, in my opinion, arguably one of the best fights of the year, a blood match. But uh, I'm going to ask Niels this. Niels, do you think Chandler's Bellator success can translate over to the UFC because he is the underdog in this matchup? Uh, I think that's the question everyone wants to know, Rooster. Really don't know from uh promotion to promotion how it's going to work matchup to matchup how it's going to work and like you said hooker looked great against poirier uh he lost a tough decision i mean he definitely lost but poirier is the number two ranked guy in that division um hooker is long and lanky uh he's got the reach on most guys in that division um right now the odds are almost even i think i think they have hooker as a slight favorite um it's probably the unknown factor his experience within the ufc which I think generally is considered the well, definitely is considered the premier promotion. Um, but Chandler is considered the premier talent from the promotion where he's coming from. So, so many unknowns with this fight. I mean, Chandler wins this; he's right in the mix for the title. Um, Hooker wins this, coming off his last loss, and he's looking at you know maybe one more fight, one more win before he gets another title shot. So, it should be interesting. I'm I'm just curious. Like you said, how it's going to translate from promotion to promotion, and it'll give us a good idea on how much better the UFC is than Bellator and those other uh, promotions out there. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, in my opinion, in order for uh, the path to success for Chandler is he's going to have to get Hooker to the ground because we know he's a striker. And if for the listeners who don't know, Chandler's last three losses came from knockouts, so he's at a slight disadvantage there. Is there any other path you see Chandler winning this fight? Um, no, and if you're, if you know, if I was put on the spot, like I said, I don't know because it's hard to translate. I would put my money on Hooker because of the distinct reach advantage, because of what you said. Chandler's coming off knockout losses, and that's the kind of wins that Hooker gets. Um, he has knockout power, and he has the ability to stay for, away from people with knockout power because he's just that much lankier than them. Um, I like Hooker in this fight, but there's a lot of unknowns. And I think, like you said, if if Chandler's able to get him down and and, and wear him out with some ground and pound, that's the avenue I can see him coming out on top. 
Awesome. So yeah, like we said, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We just want to hear your money-making prediction. Obviously, it's probably going to be Hooker. Do we think KO? Do you think we he gets him to the ground submission? Tell us your thoughts on that. Um, if, like if the odds are so tight. Um, I'm gonna bet because I'm a degenerate and I'm looking forward to the fight. So I'm just gonna basically throw a dart at the wall on this one. But I would say, uh, I'll probably take a few interesting bets. Hooker knockout in the second and third and fourth rounds. So in those middle rounds, kind of spread out the money evenly throughout those middle rounds, depending on the odds. That's that's probably what I'll do with that fight. All right, Conor McGregor, twenty-two and four. He's coming back after a year off. Uh, Forty seconds in the ring, his last fight against um, Cowboy. He's facing off against Dustin Poirier, twenty-six and six. What's Poirier gonna have to do to set himself up for a win? Um, I, Poirier's chance. I mean, this is so cliche at this point, um, and I think it's a bit overstated because we haven't seen it many times, but. Consensus will say Poirier takes him deeper in the fight. McGregor runs out of gas. That's his way. We've only seen McGregor go deep against Khabib to the fourth round and against Nate Diaz, which he won. I mean, every other fight, he knocks them out so quickly that it's like, okay, yeah, in the first fight against Nate Diaz, he looked like he got tired quickly, and that's probably why he got choked out. But I think there's a bit overstated on his gas tank. It's more of an unknown to me. We don't know because he doesn't go very far in fights. Um, right, right. So just get, you know, educated guess. I'd say Poirier would have to take it deeper, um, choke him out in the fourth or win a decision. But I, like, like you said, I'm a big McGregor fan. I almost am embarrassed how much I admire another grown man. <laughs> um, and it, I think what gets lost a lot with McGregor is because of everything that he encapsulates, like his personality and all the stuff he's done outside the octagon, bad things, the good things in terms of charities, obviously punching old men and allegedly <laughs> allegedly sexual assault. Definitely didn't do that, though. But point is, all of his actual skill gets overlooked at this point, whereas when he was coming up, that's what people were talking about, his personality mixed with his skill. But at this point, it's all about the money. It's well, I, I, I kind of, guys, I want to see McGregor get back to the days uh, where he's going to come out and, and tell his next uh, competitor to tell the wife to break out the red panties, baby, because I'm going <laughs> to change your boom life. I <laughs> love that, Connor. Connor McGregor. I mess up the C's. The C's get me every time. But that's all I wanted to add to the UFC, guys. Um, couple more things. So... Uh, there's two. So I want to talk about Khabib and how the winner fair fair against him. But I just before we do that, they fought six and a half years ago. McGregor obviously won in a minute and forty six seconds. Does that fight mean anything to compared to this one? Um, I'm not sure it means something in terms of actual fighting. I mean, they're two they're two completely different fighters. They're two they're both grown adults now. Like they've you know, D Dustin has had more experience in the octagon since that time. He's a much better fighter. Um, I think Connor's much, much better. He doesn't get enough credit for getting better because he has fought less and Dustin has fought more. But I mean, Connor's a bigger man, I think. Generally, he, he legitimately is cutting down from 175. I'm not sure where Poirier's coming from, maybe 165 area. Um, I think mentally you don't forget if you get beaten that band on that big of a stage and that and after all that, because the lead up, I don't know if you guys have seen the promos for that, like the lead up for that was was brutal. The first fight. It was just them going at each other, clips of Poirier talking about how he's never hated someone so much. Just he was so marketing. in his head. He was so in his head and it was done. And I think Poirier is a more mature fighter, a much better fighter. So Technically speaking, it probably doesn't matter. But mentally speaking, how do you not how do you not remember when someone tells everyone he's going to knock you out in the first round, and he knocks you out in the first round, and then reminds everyone he just did exactly what he said he was going to do? <laughs> so, so it's like badass. I don't even know another way to explain it. All right, so let's talk about Khabib. How's the winner? We probably both see McGregor winning this fight. How's the winner going to fare against Khabib? Does he give um, him another shot or run for his money? You know, Dana White, being the genius that he has made this whole thing that he had a meeting with Khabib uh, on last Saturday, and they were going to make this announcement almost like it reminded me of like the LeBron decision. And he didn't come out and really give a decision when he, when he broke the news. It was just <laughs> Khabib said he'll consider it if someone really impresses him. So we're, we're kind of still like, 
We don't know. Um, but Khabib, I think, being the guy he is, I think he's a, a character guy that he wouldn't hold up the division, like Dana said, if he wasn't at least highly considering it. I think mm-hmm. if McGregor starts just Poirier, he'll consider it. Um, and and no one is incorruptible when it comes to $100 million. So I know he doesn't care as much because he lives in a cave in Dagestan with his with his mom and 14 cousins and wife. <laughs> but, like, you wave $100 million and McGregor, you know, ex- excuse is an excuse, but he fought him with a broken foot coming off a of bender. Literally, McGregor's coaches couldn't find him for five days before the fight until until the weigh-in. He showed up, and then you know Khabib wore him down and does what Khabib does. And and I think Khabib will will be the favorite. Will he probably win? Yes, but I don't think there's anyone else in the division that gives him even a remote chance besides Connor. You know, a drunk Connor took him to the fourth round. So over Connor, maybe. You know, maybe I maybe I give him a, a 30, 40 percent chance of winning that fight if, if he's the focus Connor that ran through the UFC coming up. Or maybe just not not so drunk. Maybe a little. Maybe <laughs> a little just drunk. Yeah. a little drunk. Yeah, just to keep the edge on a little bit. That's right. That's right. You know, maybe a couple shots of Jack here or whatever. I think he's got his own whiskey brand. Get that going a little bit. But let's not do the whole bottle. Let's not do the whole bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm- All right. Give us your money making prop for this bet. Uh, I'm going so similar. I, I kind of took this idea from my McGregor bet, what I said about the Poirier and Chandler thing. I'm going to take – I was looking at the odds earlier, but I'm going to take him to knock him out. Weirdly enough, the odds for him to knock him out in the first round aren't that insane. It's like plus 175, plus 200. Not ridiculous so at all. So knows he's going to knock him out in the first round. Like usually for a single round and a single way of winning, it's like plus four, plus five. Um, so I'm going to take him in the first and the second. I think the second's like plus four in that range. So if I take him at both and he hits one of them, I'll be good. I mean, I'm, I'll probably take another money line bet on him just to win at, at minus 300 because I don't I don't think he's going to lose. If he does, I'm happy to lose the money and go down go down with the ship. All right, Niels, you got anything else for, for the listeners? Uh, no, I just I love it. Love that guy. He's going to win, and he's going to knock that Russian right out of his teeth. Neely, I just want to tell you, there's no shame in telling telling the listeners that you love another grown man. There's no shame in that, all right? so I love him. If I were him. to have sex with another grown man, it would probably be Conor McGregor. If anybody having sex with my sister or not, it's going to be me. <laughs> All right, Niels, thanks for hopping on. We'll make sure to get you back on for uh, for the next UFC fight night that comes up. But uh, let's all go McGregor, and thanks again for joining. Break out the red panties. <laughs> all right, well, let, let's get into the top, uh, the top teams here left in the NFL. It is championship weekend, fellas. If you don't know that, get out, get up and underneath your – stop living under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right, let's let's get into the uh, yeah, the top four teams left in the NFL week. It is the NFC Championship weekend, and we start on on Sunday at three oh five on Fox. The NFC Championship game. We got the Buccaneers at the Packers. Packers are favored by three and a half in Lambeau with an over under of fifty and a half. Uh, this is the fourteenth fourteenth conference championship. Uh, for Steve-O's boy, Tommy Brady. Tommy! Uh, currently with a 9-4 and four record. It's the fifth conference championship for Rodgers. Uh, I think this is going to be hell of a game. Big time excited for this game. We got a pretty cool stat for our Giants fans. Anyone in the NFC East that's not the Cowboys will love this stat. Is um, NFC championship appearances since 1997. Tom Brady has one. Cowboys have none. And years, if you guys didn't know, years in the NFC since 1997, Tom Brady won, Cowboys 24. So Tom Brady in one year has gotten to more NFC championship games than the Cowboys since 1997. That, that's what you're telling us? That's what I'm telling you. Thanks for the yeah. summary. That's what he said. Makes it makes a giant fan feel good. Yeah. Steve, what, what are your thoughts on this one? Nice stat Rue hit us with here earlier tonight, guys. Uh, when temperatures are 32 degrees or less, um, 
was it in the playoffs, Rue? In the playoffs, uh, teams are seven and two in their last nine games. Forecast for Green Bay Sunday, 28 degrees, possibly an inch of snow. So it's going to be a little chilly. But uh, what the experts are saying, points will be scored. Yes, yeah, Steve, what did our uh, what did our guest last week, Todd Washington, say about playing in Lambeau? He said it's tough. He said it's tough. Um, he said that, uh, you know, one way to possibly take down Green Bay would be beating them um, in the rushing attack. Um, so, you know, we'll see what Leonard Fournette and, and Ronald Jones uh, can do for Tommy Brady and the Buccaneers uh, up there in Lambeau. But I think it's going to be really tough, uh, tough treading for them um, the way Green Bay has been playing. But again, again, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that till the Stewart's butter hard roll. And a, li a little reminder for the listeners on this one. So Green Bay played uh, the Bucks in Tampa back in October. Green Bay was off to a hot start, scored 10, and then allowed 38 unanswered points. So kind of, I think this is a big line for, for, the, for the Packers here at three and a half. I thought it would be a little closer. Uh, I do love Rodgers, how well he's been playing. Uh, we were talking about this, watching him play last week. The guy doesn't sweat. I don't think it's it's possible for him to sweat while playing football. He's as cool as as humanly possible back there in the pocket. He walks off the field, walks on the field. I think the game has just become slow, so slow for Rodgers, um, and, and that's why we're seeing the season, the MVP esque seasons that he's had. Uh, but really, any, anything else to mention on this game before? Um, we get into the AFC Championship. We'll get we'll get Steve's prediction shortly. I don't want to I don't want to cut you off here, but Dave, I'd like to quote the the late great Stuart Scotty. He's as cool as the other side of the pillow that AA Ron Rogers is. They were Go saying ahead, they were they were saying how like passive he is on the field. Like like Dave said, the the game's slowing down, and he'll just like talk Pac-12 football with people on the field. And it's just like, how do you play against someone who's just so like? Not he doesn't he's it's almost like he's not there. Bro, you think he's like the magic man? Now you see me, now you don't. He could he might shake, shake and bake. bake. He might, yeah, he might shake and bake, guys. I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna find out Sunday afternoon, though. But not only that, Rue. I mean, just remember like playing football, you know, a high school game. And, and just like it's like he's waking up out of bed to brush his teeth. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We I'll be listening to music, blasting freaking God knows what in our headphones. We'd sleep differently the night before. Yeah. Like 48 hours prior to a game, you, you did not operate the way you just normally do in, in real life. And this guy actually, he his his pulse rate, I think, drops when he steps on the field. We got uh, some uh, some skill player, tight end for uh, Green Bay, little staff for you. Robert Tunyon in 2019 had 10 overall catches. Uh, in 2020 alone, he's had 11 touchdowns. He's so. on my fantasy roster this year. Helped me get into third place. Um, some other keys to the game that we just have listed. Um, obviously, uh, Packers need to limit the turnover. So Tampa Bay kind of – they got a little bit of the game handed to them last week, I think, even though it was a cl close game. Uh, they had four fo forced turnovers, but some of them just came pretty easily, pretty ugly uh, from the Saints and Drew Brees. Um, slowing down the, the the linebackers here. Devin White had 10 tackles, interception, fumble recovery last week. And, of course, a lot of this comes down to, to pressure on Brady, but also pressure on Rodgers. I think a lot of this game is going to come down to the, the D lines for both teams. Uh, we have some stats here uh, comparing Brady uh, with pressure versus without, and the same with Rodgers. Very similar, Dave. Very similar. Rodgers was actually best in the NFL when when no pressure was on him this year, which probably isn't going to come as a surprise. Um, but the, to, to just hit on one statistic here, Brady's passing rating goes from 115 with no pressure down to, to 54 and a half with pressure. You heard it, uh, uh, Packer fans. You, you, you guys, I know you're tuning into this podcast. You better, you better get word down to uh, Green Bay that they got to put some pressure on old Tommy boy. Hashtag Go Pack Go. <laughs> well, let's go on into the AFC Championship game, six forty on CBS. By the way, love these times. Uh, we got the Bills Mafia at the Chiefs there in Kansas City. Uh, minus three right now. 
Uh, the Chiefs are minus three at over under a 53 and a half. This obviously may change if more news comes out, whether Mahomes is 100% active or not. But I think everyone uh, in the world is basically preparing for that he will be. Last time these guys faced off in the uh, AFC Championship, uh, Rooster was six years yet to be born. Uh, <laughs> neither Pat Mahomes and or uh, Josh Allen were born yet either. Um, so, you know, uh, Buffalo was victorious in that game. Guys, I don't know. Are we going to be hearing a little bit of Rue give it to him? Buffalo! <laughs> I don't know. We might, guys. We might. I think we're gonna we're anticipating Patrick Mahomes is gonna play in this game. Uh, he's still in concussion protocol right now, um, but I think they're just kind of they're milking that one. I think old Andy Reid, the farmers, doing a little milking on that one. Gonna hold out as long as he possibly can until um, he really has to make an announcement that Patrick Mahomes is going to play in the game. Claims are heard it actually on um, Cowherd uh, earlier in the week. He had on. Uh, Jay Glazer and Glazer's a big MMA, um, you know, uh, mixed martial arts uh, guy, and he runs his own gym. and And he said basically the way Mahomes got tackled uh, in that game, um, it, it, you know, it it wasn't so much that it might have been a concussion. He could have just gotten um, knocked out, and and claims are that it it could be a pinched nerve. So we'll see. I think I think old Patty Boy is going to be going to be slinging the rock for Kansas City on Sunday. So so two things on this. He got up as if he he escaped the universe and saw a different dimension for for a quick second there. Hammered. Yeah, hammered is right. Um he didn't it was weird. He did not get hit it, it wasn't like a typical hit to the head. But then thinking back, I mean, I've had concussions before and you look back and on film and you're literally asking yourself, you know that was the play you got the concussion, but you're like nothing happened. Why did I get a concussion on that play? Um, I once played, uh, had a bad concussion, played the next Saturday. So a six day gap. And although I felt fine, I passed all the tests. It was statistically the worst game probably in my career as a starter. And I just, I just wasn't there. So I, I think no matter what Patrick Mahomes is going to suit up and play. The question is, is he going to be 110% in the head, you know, on under center? Dave, you might not have been there for that game mentally but i was i was there i came down to the sideline when you're you were looking for your helmet you didn't know where you were um yeah i you know and it also that toe injury um so i think the mobility factor for mahomes if he does play uh is going to be limited i think they're going to keep him in the pocket more they're not going to be doing option plays or you know having him roll out uh as much um but he is that kind of gunslinger quarterback to where I think they can game plan it, but I think he's still going to, you know, keep it in his repertoire where he is going to scramble. He is going to make those, those, you know, impossible passes that no one else in the league can make because he can make them. Yeah. And these guys faced off in week six of the regular season. The chiefs won 26 to 17. Uh, the bills were without their inside linebacker, uh, Matt Miliano, who off of that Kelsey scored two TDs, uh, they were also without Phillips and Murphy um, on the D-line. So not 100%. The, the Bills Mafia is extremely uh, healthy right now. And since that game, Josh Allen has had basically some of the best games of his career. Um, 415 yards and three TDs for Seattle. 375, four TDs for San Francisco. 320 and four two TDs versus New England. And then three TDs through just the first half of the Miami Dolphins game in their season finale. So I think the, the Bills are hot. I think this is the game is, is going to be closer than a lot of people are are leading it on. Yeah, the Chiefs haven't covered in, in uh nine weeks, uh, guys. So, you know, they're they're winning games. They've won all nine of those games, but they have not covered the spread. Um, just like how I won my Stewart's Butter Hard roll last week. A couple people were texting me, they thought I was nuts. You know, when I made the announcement, but I think Patrick Mahomes going down definitely, definitely helped me. But even even before that, the the, the Browns were looking looking pretty good uh, in in the spread category. So I don't know three. What are we we at three right now? The line possibly could move after you get an announcement from uh, Mahomes one way or another. I heard today uh, possibly could if Mahomes does not play, could be the Bills plus two. 
Um, so it could swing five points, which, you know, I guess when you're, you're, you're all, all everything quarterback is out, the, the line can move that dramatically. Um, but you know, I like, I like some of the stats we got here. Um, chiefs offense is number one in the league bills defense or chief, uh, bills offense is number two. So you've got one versus two and really in, in the playoffs so far, I know the chiefs only had one game. Um, but the, the bills, ha- I don't think have totally been the bills offensively. Um, they haven't put up the big numbers that I really thought they were. So I, I'm going to be looking for for fireworks uh, down there in, in Kansas City on Sunday from both of these teams. I think I think we're going to see a, a high scoring game, and 53 and a half is definitely um, a game I'm I'm going to lay the over on. I, I'd say if you're going to bet the game, take the line and take the line now. You know, if you're the Bills, you want it at minus three. Um, if you're if you're putting money on the Chiefs, you don't want to wait for that to come out and then Mahomes isn't playing and it goes the other way. Because I would say in that case, you probably just don't want to bet the games if you're the game if you're putting money on the Chiefs. So uh, I would take the money or take the line and take the line now. It's funny we go from uh, the two quarterbacks in the NFC who are practically horrible under pressure, and then we have these two young quarterbacks who are top three when it comes to uh, performing under pressure. Yeah, that that's a good point. Two two definitely different off different style offenses. I think we'll see in these games. Uh, but Rue, we got some some interesting ways that these two teams know each other. Why, why don't you start off with with one of those fun facts for the listener? So so we got 2017 NFL draft day trade. Uh, the Bills moved back in a deal with the Chiefs, which allowed Kansas City to draft Mahomes at number ten overall, and. That was the beginning of their storybook. Absolutely. Um, and then prior to that, Andy Reid was with the Eagles, uh, but he hired Bill's coach, Sean McDermott, back in the day and, and also at one point fired him as his defensive coordinator. Maybe there's some bad blood there, guys. I don't know. Maybe old Shawnee boy's holding a little uh, old little grudge against old fat walrus. I don't know. We're going to think. You know, that's adding some spice to this game. And then Kelsey is number two in receiving yards this this year behind the one and only Stefan Diggs. Um, Diggs versus single coverage this year at 63 receptions. He's first. Um, and receiving yards, as we mentioned, he's first with, with nine, 964. Yeah, I think they're, the, the matchups on, on both sides of the ball, I, I think, you know, you're, you're going to get – you're going to get a lot from from Diggs and, and Allen, I think, this week, and 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 you know, with with most likely Mahomes and and Hill and and Kelsey there, you know, they're they're just they're they're bound to make big plays. So I'm I'm going to be looking for the big play in in this game uh, more often than not. Well, yeah, and to your point, in terms of total yards, these teams were were first and second this year in the NFL. Chiefs first yeah. with 415 and Bills second with, with uh, three, 369, 396, 396. Flipped it, flopped it. We saw but we there. Steve-O, you won some money last week. You took some money from the listeners. What happened? What went down in DraftKings? DraftKings contest, Dave. Dave, you know, we talk every week, 15th, 17th, 19th, 21st. You know, that's where I've been finishing. I, I've been hustling everybody. I'm Billy Hoyle. I got the backwards hat on, the, the high the high shorts. I'm a slow, white, geeky chump, and I've just been hustling everybody. You see me stretching in that, that Twitter video. Third place, you know, came into some money. Uh, first place, we got our boy Patchy Adams there, uh, old Sam Lansing. Sam, um, got to give a hit us up. Sam, want to send you a little, little cover city swag. Back-to-back weeks in the money. Uh, second place last week, first place this week. It, you know, it's $112 payout for a $10 investment, so that's pretty good re- return on investment there. ROI, as they like to call it in the biz, you know. I run a loader for a living, so I know a lot about that stuff. Um, and then uh, second place was a uh, surprise, surprise, Jordan the Dong Hathaway uh, from Deposit New York coming in the muddy yet again. He's like he's like the Lance Harbor of our DraftKings, man, always getting the game ball, getting in the money. Um, so I don't know. I think uh, we got we to give uh, Jordan Jordan some love for, for, for being a, a – 
in these contests week in and week out and, and scoring some cash. We love it. We love to see it. Uh, the, 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 uh, this week's contest is, is posted for championship Sunday. Um, I'll put the link out on Twitter in the morning. Um, so make sure you're getting in on the action guys. It's going to be a great weekend for games. Can I get $20 on number seven, a daily racing form, a pack of new parts and how about a buttered hard roll? So, Steve-O, you hit the buttered hard roll last week. What's this week's big buttered hard roll? What do you got? Dave, I was, Dave, you I was, holding, out. Dave, I was holding out on the listeners just for this moment right here. I got a song for everybody. You hear that? You hear that? Go, Pack, go! Go, Pack, go! We're rolling my boy A.A. Ron. Go, Pack, discount, double-check, State Farm guy, Aaron Rodgers. I know they lost in, in week six to Tampa Bay, 38-10. to 10, But here's some stats you're not going to see this Sunday that you did see in, in the prior game. Aaron Jones, 10 carries, only 15 rushing yards. That ain't happening. He's going well above that. We have Aaron Rodgers, only 160 yards passing, zero touchdowns, two INTs. The way my boy A.A. Ron is playing right now, Tommy Brady ain't got nothing on him. I'm telling you one thing right now, guy. My new guy is Aaron Rodgers, guy. That's my guy. Discount double check. I'm rolling with him. Alan Lazard didn't play in the week six matchup. He had uh, almost 100 yards and a touchdown last week um, in, in, in the playoff divisional round. Last week, Green Bay put up 32 points against a Rams D that's given up the least amount of points in the league this year, guys. Lay the points. Take the pack. A.A. Ron is as cool as the other side of the pillow, like we just said. Rolling with the pack. Go pack. Stewart's butter hard roll. Lock it in. Let's go. That's going to do it for us. Another week in the books. It's championship weekend coming up here. Uh, make sure you tune in on Twitter at Cover City Sports, on Instagram at Cover City Sports. Steve, where's our music at? Leonard, take us into the weekend, baby. We got conference championship weekend. It's going to be rocking Sunday AFC, NFC championship. Get in on the DraftKings. You know you love the action. And roll with me on my butter hard roll. I'm fired up. Dance, dance.